1: Until they get here. Get it. Hey, Dad. I'm here. You just rest. I know you can't respond, but I hope you can hear me. Oh, oh son. I'm so sorry you have to see me like
2: this. How do I even look like? Am I I'm a body like, cast with my arms and legs, with legs and a little of those hanging things? Or maybe I just have, have a stroke?
1: You had an accident, Dad. On your motorcycle. We're all just thankful you're alive. Mom's on her way. Taylor's with her. I crashed you,
2: I would never do that.
1: Oh, hi. Uh, are you with the insurance
3: company? Um, hi. No. I'm Jonathan. I'm friends with Dean.
1: Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're his new partner. I'm so sorry. I know about you. I'm just a little frazzled with everything. Ah, boys. Oh, God,
2: I wish I was there.
1: Oh, please, it's totally
3: fine. This is a lot to take in. I wasn't sure he told you and your sister about me yet, and I know it's pretty recent, so I wasn't even sure I should come. Is it okay if I?
1: Oh, please, please, he'd love that,
3: Dean, sweetheart. It's me. Garrett and I are here, and we aren't going anywhere. We're just so thankful you're alive. Body, if you can hear me,
2: please wake up. Or at least smile or kiss or blink. Please let my guys know I'm here, and I'm fighting to get back to them.
4: One of you is the sun? One of you. How old do I look? Hopefully I'm just got better bandages. Yeah, that's me. We found these articles spread along the highway for several miles leading up to the site of the crash. We thought they might be valuable to him or the family. Um, I'm
1: sorry, I think there's a mistake. There's just a bunch of wigs and boas and underwear and boots. These can't be his. Oh,
4: no. I'm afraid it is, sir. When we arrived on the scene, we found him wearing only a pair of underwear that matched those. Just a different color. This
1: is a thong. What are you talking about? Are you sure it's even him under those bandages? Bandages, thank God. You're sure you have the right person, right?
4: We're positive, sir. I'm sure this is very emotional. I apologize if this material wasn't helpful. We, uh, weren't sure what to do.
3: Do you know anything about this? Me? No, this is, uh... We met at Mona's on salsa night, and that's really all we do. We eat, and we salsa dance. (laughs) I didn't even know he had a motorcycle. That's right, (laughs) You were the bad boy.
1: Officer, sorry, I just have one question. This wig here, um, where did you find it? Was it at the start or near the crash? Just
4: let it, go, it Well, they were all tagged for evidence. The number on the inside corresponds to the order it was recovered while approaching the site. That one I definitely remember because it was near his person. And that led us to connect that the others may belong to him as well.
3: Does that wig mean something to you? Is your family big into wigs with slicked back hair? Yes,
2: yes Garrett. And move on.
1: Oh, it's funny. He uh, he bought this wig at the first play he ever took me to. Charga. It was uh, playing on the West End in London. Did you say Charga?
3: I've never heard of that.
1: What would that have to do with all of this? Buddy,
3: I need you here. Kick a leg, do a seizure,
2: do something.
1: Well, it it follows a young man named Charlie who has an alter ego named Hilga. Charlie's mild-mannered and polite, but he yearns to be more. Hilga is wild and uninhibited. There's a ton of costume changes and... Well,
2: that's that. Case closed. Now, have a hug, a good cry, pack up the box and head on board. Where
1: does the slicked back hair come in? Sorry, I just got a little choked up. Uh thinking about that night. It's weird. That was that was the first night I had suspicions that my dad might be well with you one day. I played it pretty straight. Me? No, not you personally. I just meant being out. I uh. Well, he was clapping and singing and he swinging his head back and forth with all the musical numbers and at the end he had tears streaming down his cheeks. Most of the rest of the crowd was asleep. Sharga didn't last too long in production after that. Because yes. the world is a toilet. I still don't see where the slicked back wig comes in. Charlie goes back and forth between him and Hilga over and over and he envisions his life as each. The joys and the struggles of each and He eventually comes to grips with being Sharga, who is basically Charlie with slick back hair. But he's less inhibited. He dances. He sings. He has fun. He's alive. He's free. That whole thing. I think this last year was about him freeing himself. And I think you really helped him with that. That's
0: my
3: boy. Well, that's nice to hear. I still don't understand how that turns into him ending up in a motorcycle crash wearing only a G-string and high heels. Well,
1: these are all numbered. I'll bet if we lay them out, they match up with Charlie's metamorphosis.
2: Okay, buddy. I've changed my mind. Please kill me.
1: Yeah, see? Here's number one. The backpack. Charlie, as a wholesome student, always
3: following the rules. This boa says number 13.
1: Yup. That's perfect. That's the night he sees Hilga dance on the piano in the jazz club. I can't believe how much this play I'm remembering. Number 3, the mullet. Charlie's first attempt to go against the grain, but his dad makes him cut it. That's, That's
2: enough, enough, fellas. fellas. Okay, okay buddy, go, go ahead and die. die. What's the number
1: on that heel?
3: Um uh, uh oh, 9. I suppose I get the gist, but this doesn't seem odd to you? The order? You'd have to see
1: the play. It makes more sense. No, then.
3: I mean, your dad likes the play. I completely understand that. But but as a pastime, he liked to go do costume changes to a play no one has ever heard of while flying down an empty highway on a motorcycle. Just
2: fucking die, buddy. Die. Oh, yeah.
1: I guess that is different. I never understood why he had those big saddlebags on the back. That one makes sense. Or, or, yeah, I guess it doesn't. That's
3: not common? What? No, that is very not common. I'm sorry. This is still new to me. Look, I can appreciate someone's process with coming out and being fully who they are, but this is...
1: Oh, please, no. Wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. Maybe there is more to this. I'm probably way off. Maybe he was just throwing all this stuff away as you rode. He really needs you right now. Please don't go. Buddy, get Get up and
3: dive out the window. Oh my god, he's moving.
1: Okay, Dad. uh, Just go easy. Dad, what the hell was that? Are you
3: okay? Did he just try and dive out the window? Must be the drugs. Here, help help me get him back into bed. He can clearly hear us and he's embarrassed. Dean, sweetie, it's Jonathan. I'm going to get you back into bed, but then I need to take a little break. I need to head home, but but I'll call you and check in. God damn it. Garrett, it was lovely meeting you. Please
1: don't. I know it's a lot, but he, he's a sweet guy. I know he is
3: but my last partner was an adrenaline junkie, and I can't be with someone who tries to jump through windows and rides motorcycles while doing costume changes. At least not right now.
1: Dad, I'm sorry. But don't worry. Like Hilga says, the sea is full of more than fish, honey. Honey. Charga, quiet by the night, he's the bright light, just sit tight. Charga, feathers on the floor, shake it baby, shake it, you'll always get more.
4: Charga,
1: you're the only one, Charga, the moon and the sun. Charga, feathers on the floor, shake it baby, shake it, you'll always get more one the moon and the sun.
2: hello and welcome to the space cave a big warg to all of you Apologies for the delay on this week's episode I'll explain that at the end I hope you have hope you had a lovely Hanukkah hope you have a great rest of the year if you celebrate Christmas hope you, that goes well and uh, stay safe But for now. Snuggle in, cozy up, escape all the chaos of the world outside, join me in the space cave in a conversation with a gentleman I really enjoy. We've known each other for years. We've hung out at bars and nightclubs and green rooms, backstages at comedy shows, comedy festivals, and you you have a lot of conversations, but rarely. I've even done his podcast with Andy Wood called Probably Science. If you haven't listened to that, I highly recommend it. I've done that a number of times. You end up having conversations with people uh, that you feel like, ah, I know them, but you rarely get to sit down one-on-one, like in this conversation, and really pick someone's brain about a specific topic. So here we are talking mathematics with the great Matt Kirschen. Excellent. Matt Kirschen. it's been It's been forever. How, how are, you You look, you never age, so that's beside the point. Ah, uh, there's gray. But...
5: There's, always, there's, some, there's some gray in there. Oh, I'm, good. I'm feeling I'm feeling relatively good right now, because I just, so we started later than I was planning to, because I came back from going to my friend's house to have a shower, <laughs> because uh, our gas has been off for the last, it's now five days, I think. Whoa. If I don't know what the crossover audience is between our two podcasts, but if you listen to the most recent episode of our one, at about the 40-minute mark, you'll hear me go, uh i have to leave now because there's a gas leak in our building and (laughs) we've just been told to get outside and that was uh that that was five days ago now and we've been we've been washing hands and dishes with cold water and using electric heaters and and then going to friends houses to shower so that's where i was (laughs) but i'm feeling quite good now i'm feeling like i've had my first shower in 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 two or three days
2: but wait you you said, "Um, hey, hey, man, can we push back recording a little bit? I'm in you were really far away and then having to go oh, I, against rush hour
5: so I, yeah i I killed two birds with one stone. I also had to go and pick something up from a friend in the valley, so I was like, okay, if I'm going to go and have to a friend's house, to have it, there's a few different places I could go to shower, but I was like, I'll go to Emery's, which is where I also used to live and and also pick up a computer cable that I needed
2: oh okay, I was thinking that would be." Such a bummer and such a weird snapshot of Los Angeles that, oh yeah, I have a place I can shower. It's only a 40 minute drive away. Yeah.
5: The, literally the only place, I, the only person I know who's sufficiently friendly with me that they would let me bathe in their house is on the other <laughs> side of the mountain. There's, no one, no one in, on my side of the Valley at all. No, yeah, no not... one on my side of elevation would be in any way willing to have my nude body within their premises. <laughs>
2: And your neighbors, even on the same floor, likely don't know you at all. And I was just well, thinking. Well, this is
5: the thing. We actually are. We're actually quite good friends with our neighbors next door. Our neighbors below have. It's a brand new person. She's just moved in. The place has been empty through the whole of pan- the pandemic, which is great, by the way, having no one below us. Yeah. Uh, but Stomping around, dancing. Right. Exactly. We've we've got two cats now and they like, you know, at about four in the morning is the time that they most enjoy running from one side of the apartment to the other that's the most fun thing and world well for them to do at 4am but we've been like <laughs> fuck it no one's below this um i don't care and now now there is someone new but i think we haven't even said hello to her yet we haven't met i just know i i, I just know who she is from our landlord telling us a name and seeing amazon packages arrive and a light on there now that's so i don't all... think Knocking on the door with a towel and a wash bag. Uh, <laughs>
2: well, they're without gas too, right? It's the whole building.
5: Well, so everyone else has got turned back on again, but the gas leak was the line that was going into our building, so we're <laughs> still turned off and we're waiting for it to be repaired. Uh, and we actually, we, we are friends. We we are good friends with the people next door, but um, they're ill at the moment, so they're like they're quarantining. This it's not they've been tested. It's not COVID, but they're still like uh, they're like there's they've got a cold there. And I really, I I think. I wouldn't want someone in my apartment showering if I was ill, and also it's probably not the smartest thing to go into their apartment if they're all germy and infectious.
2: And I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for you, but didn't we all get pretty used to going several days without showering during this? Or were yeah, you someone that exactly. showered pretty regularly?
5: So, so a few days is uh, like, yeah, a few days is okay. But I started to get to the point where I'm like, this doesn't feel nice. And then also, I've got a gig tomorrow, so I was like, I, I should probably be slightly better. Yeah, I shouldn't sort of turn up. It's it's too far past us pulling out of the pandemic to be able to justify that anymore. (laughs) You know, this time last year, like before we had the vaccines, before things were opening up, like if you did see someone for for a distanced coffee or whatever, it was perfectly acceptable just to show up, kind of like you've just come down from the hills.
2: Oh yeah, absolutely torn
5: clothes, just wearing whatever, like the sheet that you slept in is now your clothes. (laughs) And you just,
2: (laughs) we, my partner, whenever we're going out for walks, is always like, let let me me get myself together. I'm like, who cares? And then we'll see someone in quite a getup where it is ripped sweats with like a bathrobe over and some sort of rain boots. And I'll just always be like, could you pick that person out of a lineup? No, (laughs) there's no way. Even if it wasn't a pandemic, but the pandemic really—it didn't even—it took away that thing where you would like maybe second give it a double take.
5: Whoa, who's, well, out in as public like who's that? As someone who's—I'm very bad at recognizing people. I'm very bad with faces, always have been, and so pandemic's been a blessing for that because between <laughs> the between the masks and not having seen people in a year and a half, so if you take a second to recognize people, they're like, oh yeah, hey, it's, it's me," and uh, yeah, or they go like, "Yeah, yeah, I have haven't." different hairstyle. I'm like, yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> it's definitely the different hairstyle and not that I would not have known who you were even if I'd met you a day ago.
2: Do you think though that cuz you've moved around, you've been a bunch of places, I I think obviously some people just genetically from the start have a tough time with faces, but I also think maybe most people or every person is given like a quota of faces and names you can remember in a lifetime and as you go through different schools and jobs and social networks where you're hanging out with now comedians yeah. or the, you know you you just reach I mean, a threshold where you're know, like that's it i'm done I, remembering people
5: yeah I, th- I mean maybe i do i think i've always been bad but also i do know i know a lot of people yeah like i know a lo- just because of how my life has panned out and i've got so many different groups of people that i you know i think most people would have you know maybe your school friends and your college friends and then just your sort of adult work slash people that you've met through your partner kind of friends but i've got like school college um uk open mic circuit uk professional circuit american comedy circuit um traveling around the country and around the world like the australian comedy circuit uh, like European comedy circuit, just all these extra, so many different places that you go to. And you, and sometimes you get to know people like really well for a short amount of time and then you don't see them for three years. Yeah. But you'll be a, like, particularly when I was gigging in the UK and they had loads of overseas gigs that were booked out of Britain, you'd sometimes go to, Dubai for three days with someone, or, or, or even a week. You go know, like, oh, this person who I don't really know that well, but I guess I'm now like going on holiday to Singapore with these two guys for for five days, and we're just spend we're just having a holiday together, just having this vacation for five days where we just we tell jokes at night, and that's why we're there. But otherwise, we're just sort of doing tourist stuff. You know, yeah, the three of us, and then we go home, and then we don't see each other for two years. But it's just like, oh, that most people don't do that.
2: No, I the first time I was really on the road pretty regularly, I was uh, sh- I think I shared a condo, it was beautiful in Shreveport, Louisiana. And the guy I was with, I can't remember his name, but yeah. he I would know his headshot, and if he told me his name, I would go, Yes. And he had had like, and you one know, of these, his bits. yeah, because they were not my favorite, they, and he had been away <laughs> from stand up for so long, but he had like. A development deal, and he was the lead on an NBC sitcom for maybe a whole season. So he had made like 80s or 90s money doing that, where he could like own a home. And then he went to Amsterdam and did a bunch of drugs. And then he came back and essentially just called his agent and was like, I want to do stand up without practicing at all. So I was seeing him as he was getting his old <laughs> act together with a few new bits, but they were rough. But we had so much fun offstage. We were hanging out, and like I kind of just ignored his act, and he probably did the same of mine. And we went and explored places, and this guy that owned the bar next door showed us around. And the guy was really interesting. I want to say his, his name was John. And then at the end, as we're like sliding our key under the door to leave, he goes, you know, one of the things that I don't miss about comedy but I think is so fascinating is – Someone's in your life, like you just said, like you go to Dubai with someone, you live with them for several days, you share a refrigerator, you share stories, you share all of your kind of goings on throughout the day, and then you never see them again. And I remember getting this twinge of like, oh, don't say that, John. And now here I am, I can't even remember his name. It's just so common for people to come in in and out of your life like
5: that. Like NBC 90s sitcoms and try and reverse engineer it. (laughs)
2: And then even then i like, I think that's him. And yeah, I'm not going to call him because he would go, who are you? And I'd be like, I know. It's just, you probably said this to every feature act you had that calendar year. Yeah. But for me, it was because I was so new at it. I thought, no way. I'm going to remember as many people as possible. But it's unavoidable.
5: Yeah. Yeah. I used to remember every gig I'd done, every hotel I stayed in, every yeah. drive, every flight. And yeah, they just, they merge. But but because of that, like you were saying, there is – um. A, I I definitely have a much bigger network of if not fr- like uh, people certainly people that I would consider friendly good yeah. you know people I enjoy the company of and like even friends I probably have a bigger network of friends than most people just because of how weirdly scattered my life is and how many sort of like you say these sort of pockets of intensity
2: Yeah I I maybe it's just a byproduct of getting older too I think the pandemic had some element of Shifting that into focus, or it really jumbling that up in a way where you could you start to forget so much of your life that you're like, is that what it becomes? That you just go to so many parties and shake hands and laugh. And go, oh, right, 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 and you meet people, and you're knowing like we're acquaintances or we're friendly, but who are your really like true friends? Who are the people you're very close with? Where it's undeniable, and where's that threshold? sort of stop where the next layer, the next level of people filter in and then the one below that and the one below that because they exist. But pretty soon you start – it's almost like you meet people knowing you're never going to get above this tier. I I have too many in this top tier. It can't be penetrated. But then you think of yourself being like 90 years old and someone who's going to be born in like five years will be walking you along a lake going, good job, Matt. Good way to go, buddy.
5: What's... Yeah, and you're telling all your stories about when I was doing shows <laughs> in Louisiana, <you> know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, great good for you. Good for you, Dave.
2: <laughs> I would get I get now why old people zero in on like five stories because there's a real fear that like throughout this pandemic, the number of people that we had meals with or a great night that had to reintroduce themselves and go, remember you go, Oh my God. Yeah. I forgot. Yeah. That was a meaningful moment in your life at one point, And yet so many things have happened since that. Well, so they maybe had that's to...
5: their only good stories. Maybe that's the only five good things that happened in their life. That's the true. Five interesting things that happened to them.
2: But for you, it, it was undeniably fun. If you remember it and they tell you about it, you go, Oh my, yes, that was great. I can't believe I forgot you and that story. And then you think of yourself at 80 is our challenge or task to remember some of it, or all of it, or or none of it? Is the is the thing that like, if you if you did have an immaculate memory at eighty five, you still die. So dementia and these things are a way of being like you can't. You just start letting it go. We're gonna force it out of you. You gotta start letting it go. You can't keep it all. You're meant to just pass through this, and it's very. It's all meant to be ephemeral. Oh,
5: you think you think dementia is like is is, is part of that process? It's like sewing in. It's it's kind of like.
2: Well, I mean I don't want to like minimize it, but it's – even if you don't have dementia, if you just have memory loss, like standard memory loss, you almost have to prepare yourself for that knowing that, of course, I'm not going to keep all of it. I'm not going to remember every day of second grade plus also great night outs I had in my 20s plus you know someone I met at a party randomly when I was in my 40s. Whatever it may be, you just have to kind of go like maybe I am going to keep five great stories and I'll be 80 going, did I tell you about the time I did this? And everyone's yep. like, yes, you it's all you ever tell us. Shut up.
5: <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, because well definitely there'll be an advantage too as you get as you get older, and maybe you know the machine is less well tuned uh, to it holding on to the more important things. So Yeah. Maybe that's why the I, I know nothing about the subject, but maybe that's why again, like the oldest memories are the ones that stay in the best. Maybe it's just because they've had the longest time to sort of carve out their little corner of your brain. But maybe also it's just because that's the stuff you kind of still need. Like the stuff you were told as a child to keep you alive is the stuff you'll still need to keep you alive as an adult, as an old adult.
2: Yeah. And some of the stuff would, would find its way. If you were in a plane crash in the middle of nowhere, you'd find yourself going, the water flows this way around these type of things because the bank here, that must mean the trees are facing the, you know, you would put together all this weird stuff just from kind of general biology or... Uh,
5: would, I mean I don't know I, my worry is if, if I was in a plane crash the thing that my brain would hold on to is like the the phone number for going live the Saturday morning TV show when I was a kid <laughs> like
2: that. does this help anybody and I was like no not even close oh it's weird it's the only thing this... going through my head
5: is this how I is this how I call in to answer a competition or speak <laughs> to a pop star who was famous briefly in the mid to late 80s <laughs>
2: That's so funny. Oh, man. Are we supposed to keep... You know, when you think of, like, small town, well, it was the spring of 22, because I remember because so-and-so was bringing in their pigs, and they didn't have pigs in 21. and, And they would have this categorical memory because probably their life was pretty contained. You didn't have a million photos. You didn't have a million friends. You didn't have a million experiences. You couldn't travel that far. So you were limited to, like... Who you could see, you know, even if a whole train of people came into your small town, you wouldn't meet all of them and become friends with them. You would just remember that as remember the the summer the train came in. Whew.
5: Yeah, remember this guy with the brown the brown hat.
2: <laughs> oh, we all remember it. brown it hat, hat guy. guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and now we're just like we're that'll be th- your story
5: as well. I'd be like eighty eighty five years old. You're dying. I was like, oh, this guy he had a hat that was as brown as the mud is brown. <laughs> <laughs>
2: So. <laughs> that old that old chestnut, his hair was as brown as the butt is brown. Everyone just <laughs> sips their coffee. Yeah, man, it really was. That hair was sure <laughs> damn brown. When you meet someone at a party or something and they they say something that is so dismissive or kind of cynical, but really it talks about this point in a, like a pithy way where you're like, Oh man, this was so great, and they just throw on their coat and go. Listen, we're not going to hold this with us. Have a nice life, and they leave, and you're like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> what? they're, they're oh, so accurate. But yeah, you had a connection. Yeah. You're like, don't say that to me, Shreveport guy. But they're so right in that moment of just, yeah, what are we doing? We're trying to yeah, pretend this was like good this. For night. This moment, yeah.
5: This is a good this moment conversation. <laughs> <laughs>
2: that's ugh, that's hard to deal with. I I and I don't know why I'm not from a small town. I don't think I inherently want to, but I also. Meaning, like, don't want to keep that moment and pretend it's so much more. But I also don't want to be so aware of how temporary it is to just know, like, boy, this was a good 80 minutes standing around this party of strangers and I'm glad we shared it. Have a nice life. That feels so weird and so, like, the opposite of what life is, at least in theory, meant to be. We're supposed Uh to have some meaning or some more depth out of these interactions, right?
5: Yeah, I don't... I mean maybe but also I I'm always wary of trying to um go into a go into a situation knowing what you want to get out of it. Mhm. Going into like who knows who knows what's going to be good for your what what's going to be a, a rewarding thing for your brain and for yourself in 10 years time. Yeah. Like it, like that's always, it, it, it's it's kind of cargo cult thinking in a way. It's kind of like, you're, you're kind of like going through the the motions of like, oh, this is a successful conversation to someone else in the past. So if I recreate this kind of successful conversation again, mm-hmm. no, that's not what made it successful. You don't know what the different ingredients were, but now you're just like going through the shape of this interaction, hoping that it'll recreate this usefulness later on, or this meaning. No, meaning reveals itself later depth reveals itself later so um, to put
2: that in a in a in like a tangible example for myself we and maybe you, i think everyone's probably had this a lack of energy to get out and do things uh during or you know as we start to open up from the pandemic and so getting like an invite to hey it's a backyard hangout we sometimes we're like we're so tired i don't know if we want to go do this and then we, so the times we have we're like come on it'll probably do us good and then, of course, you go and you see familiar faces and old friends and people. It feels really good to hug. And as we're walking away, we're like, so glad we did that. I feel a million right. times better. But it started with meeting all of those people for the first time long ago. So knowing that, oh, yeah, the initial it's not like I set out to meet them through a mail away friend club. I randomly met them right. maybe at Exa- a party.
5: Exactly. And, that you know, hugging that person felt good because of some inconsequential conversation you had yeah 10 years, years ago. ago yeah and yeah i think that's the the issue that you know when people bitch about it's a bit of a jump here but when people bitch about you know certain degrees or whatever go like oh this that's useful Who this is a mickey mouse degree this is uh taking this course majoring in this subject whatever you don't know you don't know what like uh you don't know what is actually going to be useful to that person in in 10 15 20 years time but, oh yeah like, um like Steve Jobs supposedly, and there's embellishments in his life like crazy. And But one of the things he held up in his life was this calligraphy course that he did on a whim as a at whatever one of the San Francisco universities. And that inspired his love of design and his desire to have the typeface on Apple computers being, um, I can't remember the word for it, but like whatever the word is in, in typefaces where each letter is, not the same width like it's the width that that letter might be rather than like blocky old school computer letters yeah. where every every letter takes up the same amount of horizontal space whether it's a w or an i um but but you know that you described that as like a bullshit nothing course that someone who was a like a, a dropout and layabout did but then it that was one that turned out to be one of admittedly one of a thousand steps but one of a thousand steps on the way to the richest company in the world mm-hmm. so um, I'm. That, that's what I mean by I think like trying to go in with an idea of what an interaction will be, or deciding like even at the time what is a useful or good interaction or not. Like yeah, who know? There like there's a whole industry of these books at airports that 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 mostly get sold at airports. I think that are like this is what a successful businessman did, and now he's a billionaire. And if you copy this. No, you <laughs> won't you won't, because you're leaving out all these gaps. And also that was what was right for him in that moment. Exactly. Then you can't copy those steps. It would you be can't... tough
2: if you're, but say you're, and I, I mean, maybe just not to use the broad thing of the spectrum, but say you're a psychopath and you lack the ability to understand, but, but a part of you, when you see people meet at a party and give each other a big meaningful hug, you go, damn it, I want that, but you've never had that. And you don't know how to attain it. You're like, I talk to people and they don't, we don't respond to each other that way. You read one of these books, you or I—not to say we're like the pinnacle of friends to be made—but we would sniff it out. And we're comedians; we're relatively interesting. We would see the psychopath show up, and hey, guys, having some punch. Tell me about yourself. What what makes you excited? You know, you would you the the things they would yeah, learn from Yeah, I don't the book. know. I, mean,
5: like, I think certain psych- psychopaths can be quite charming. Uh, like, <laughs>
2: yeah, I mean, maybe that was a bad example, but yeah, like you know, know what I mean. I, like I, I, know, to, I know
5: what you mean. But like, I think also in this industry, we know a fair few psychopaths, and
2: they do fairly <laughs> well. Yeah,
5: well, oh, they do great. They do. <laughs> they do so well.
2: Yeah, this is a bad uh, dynamic to mix a psychopath into because yeah, almost everyone when they see someone succeed at a certain level goes, oh, well, I mean, they're kind of a psychopath. You need that. All, all the ones, that, <laughs> yeah. all of them have it, and then we all go, oh yeah, that, that's true.
5: And then sometimes they don't. Like every so often, like some, someone get. Not every so often. There are like people who are really su- successful in our industry. And then it's like, oh no, he's a really nice guy. Or oh, she's great. She's so nice. Yeah. And and then you go like, and sometimes they really are so nice. And sometimes it, that just means they're not a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> like it's just, <laughs> she's so nice she's still friends with people she was previously friends with when she wasn't famous. Right. And there's not a nice she is. There's not a (laughs) unbelievably nice.
2: (laughs) She's baseline. Nice for any other person walking around, but for a someone of that stature, can you believe it? Can you, and there's not a litany of green room stories following them around that you go, Oh, have you heard the, did you you hear about the shrimp? Oh my Lord. That yeah. Ask the door person that, the tampa improv about the shrimp oh my he
5: didn't he didn't sack his manager when he was going through chemo he is so nice (laughs) (laughs) yes so so nice
2: so maybe they do just learn because to get a desired end point you know so for going through this or being at the party and having a meaningful hug i think for most people that's that's like a a sub level of like an ideal place to get to it's it's not like a byproduct but meaning you know if you set out to have these goals or checkpoints to get through in your life uh whether that's graduating something marrying someone just in traditional for the example like marriage retirement some sort of thing like this the people that are there surrounding you in those moments are like the accoutrement they're they're not the goal And yet you can't have really any of those things unless you have the people that are going to wipe tears from their eyes and give you meaningful hugs. But to set out to get that, to say like, all right, what do I need to do to like have friends that care about me would be such a weird thing for someone (laughs) to read those books and be like, I got it. I figured that out. I'm going to smash their car and then help them track down who did it. That will endear them to me.
5: And then they work out, walk outside at the wrong moment when you stare with a seven iron in your hand.
2: <laughs> you don't know me yet, but you will. We'll be friends. Oh, that's not my voice. I'm a, a different voice. Yeah, you
5: still got a still got a, like a balaclava on, like a ski mask. Just like.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, well,
5: I hope, I hope no one called Justin tries to track me down. <laughs> <laughs> Justin, is that you? No,
2: <laughs> that sounds like a cool name, though. <laughs> ah, making friends. <laughs> they just sort of have, if you if someone like young professionals will go, you'll hear them moving to a new town either for a job or just because they wanted to. Oh, I'm, I was so sick of the cold, or I was sick of where I grew up, or my small town, so I moved here. It's really hard to make friends. And then a weird question would be like, "Why do you want friends?" Well, the real answer is, "I want people at my wedding to wipe a tear off their cheek. I want people
5: to yeah. hug when well, they yeah, because we, we are sort of coded, you know we're, we're wired to be, have a certain level of sociability, to enjoy community, yeah to enjoy you know
2: when, yeah, this is this maybe getting into your field that you abandoned long ago, but mathematics. You barely, you rarely talk about it. I think a few times I've tried to, like, bring that up, and you're kind of like, "Ah, yeah, that's long long ago. I don't remember well, that much no, of it.
5: it. it's more, I think it's a little the more because I was, it's a subject that I was really good at at school mm-hmm. and then hit my level at university.
2: But you well, went, like it, you said it at Oxford, right?
5: At uh, Cambridge, but yeah, like yeah. kind of same kind of deal. And right. Yeah, and then I, and then I failed in my my second year and managed to convince them to not throw me out and then sort of limped through my final year.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so you, so there's a lack of pride in your, I have the degree. It's kind of like, ah, eh, they let me just kind of limp through. Well,
5: yeah. Well, sort of my with, with, I guess with a sort of lack of feeling like I, I'm, I'm qualified, you know, I, there's, I, as far as the subject goes, I know a lot more about the subject than the average person, mm-hmm. but a lot less of the, of the subject than the average person who did a degree in it at a really good university. <laughs> um, so
2: Cambridge I, I, is I, well thought of, though. So even getting a low GPA or or you know failing a little bit here and there would be people going, "Oh, I mean, you got in. That's that's so yeah, much better it definitely, than."
5: It, it, one thing, one thing I like about thirty of my friends and your friends, I'm sure as well. I finally got an ADHD diagnosis during lockdown. <laughs> uh, we all, I, I've had this conversation consistently for the last six, seven months with different people. It turns out, like if you remove all structure away from from society, then the people who were just hanging on to structure by a thread <laughs> becomes painfully aware how unable to cope they are. Uh, but you know. Something that should have maybe been diagnosed three and a half decades ago.
2: I mean, this I is was... the this is the first time hearing ADHD. I heard a lot of, and the first time I heard it, I thought it was a joke that was insensitive. And then the person was like, "No, no, it's real." People going, "Damn it, I just found out I have autism," and you're like, "You're an adult, yeah, yeah." They yeah. finally diagnosed well, me, and well, it's this so is, common. They,
5: they, they are both like they're both forms of neurodiversity, and they both exist on spectrums, and they both present and they also there's a lot of overlap between the two as well but they also both present in different ways in different people they particularly present in different ways in women so women are really under underdiagnosed in both of those things interesting cuz um, cuz they the the different coping correcting mechanisms that people come up with are different uh in tend to be different in women And they cover it. They sort of cover it up in different ways as they're growing up, and and uh, and ADHD presents differently. It tends to be, uh, and also you know ADHD there are there are different spectrums because there's like the attention deficit part of it and the hyperactivity part of it. Mm -hmm. And really, again, I don't know how neither of those were officially diagnosed in me because. Like, we, I mean, th- we've done like, you know, comedy festivals and like sh- comedy shows together. So you might have seen me like me how to sort of pace around and fidget. But if you've ever sat in a writer's room with me and watched me like jump up and pace around the room, and like if I'm excited about a tag or a joke or an idea, I'll like, I'll like leap out of my seat and be like sort of almost prancing around the room while everyone else is sitting there trying to talk. <laughs> uh, and, but, but also just like, so you, you look up because one of the only one of the ways you sort of diagnose ADHD is you look at your youth and, you know, you kind of have to look at like signs from when you were younger. And again, like I found a report, a school report. It was for a music le- lesson. It was, like, I did learn the violin for like half a half a year at school. Mm-hmm. And I've kept that report because I found it funny for the second half of it, which is where the teacher says, I understand that Matthew wishes to give up the violin at the end of this term uh normally i'm sad when a pupil wishes to give up an instrument but this time i feel it maybe for the best (laughs) so i kept it for that reason but i'd always glossed over the first half of it where they where she says he was only on time for two lessons this year like he was consistently late and like like, i was 10 (laughs) at school like where could I have been? Yeah. What could I have been doing? There was nowhere else to go at school. I didn't have like, <laughs> you know, tasks. I didn't have to like cook meal. I I was a 10-year-old at school.
2: Yeah. If I they... be like
5: oh I, I know I should be going to the lesson right now, but I'm just going to stare at this corner for a little bit longer and <laughs> swing my arms around.
2: There was a <laughs> butterfly that flew by, and so Lord knows he's out in the grass running around, waving his arms yeah. at it. That's... I think,
5: I mean, that must have been it. I, I, I guess I have to think about bricks for another 10 <laughs> minutes, and then I'll walk over to this lesson that my parents <laughs> are paying for. So, but I think, but that was definitely a thing, like being sort of like, I guess it's sort of high functioning but ADHD. Where I, with structure like a high school, where you are forced to sit in a class and interact with the teacher, and they're telling you the information, I did very well. But then, and exams, I did well. And then university, when that structure's gone and you have to kind of self learn, mm-hmm. I did well in the first year, and then it all kind of collapsed. Like it all just sort of, um, I just didn't go to lectures. I. I sat in that exam at the end of the second year and I I I can only do, <laughs> this is like I can't um I can't tell you what it's like to sit in a university math exam having not done any of the work because like imagine a quiz where you don't even know what the questions mean.
2: Oh, let me let me um, relate to you a bit. So I have a, a minor in math, and that so we're on very different oh, ends of the spectrum. We have
5: talked about this, and I did know that. Yes, of course.
2: But I I I was given the benefit of yeah, you took a lot of like physics and stuff because of engineering. It's a, it's just <laughs> a it's just a byproduct of what you did. If you take this one or two more classes, you'll have a minor. I thought okay, I'll do that. But some of them were graduate-level courses where they would say, hey, man, you missed kind of the route to get here and understand it. As long as you show up and try, I'll pass you. But I don't expect you to know any of this. And there were definitely quizzes and things where I would be like, yeah, I don't don't know which part of this is the question. It just ceases to be –
5: letters it at one like, point it would be like state and prove the something something theorem and i wouldn't even know what <laughs> i wouldn't even know what the theorem is like it yeah it would be like an english major being asked to write about a book where not only have they never heard of the book or its author they don't even know what genre it's in <laughs> <laughs> they, they don't even know <laughs> is this a historical romance or is this yeah when abstract people poetry i have not a clue <laughs>
2: We, you, I would get you get to see some of the stuff that like on Goodwill Hunting where it's like the patterns that are sort of sticks. They just anyone that uh-huh. hasn't taken math that's watching that like what math never gets to that level. And you're like oh I guess on some
5: so that was that was the side of it that I actually enjoyed the most. That was the branch of um, discrete mathematics is what that would generally fall under, which is oh, okay. including things like graph theory and combinatorics. Nice. And I I like I like that side of that stuff. Um, some of the best. Like I found that some of the most interesting bits that I did, like group theory. um. Well, you,
2: so you do a science podcast, probably science and you have physicists and people like this on. I find myself whenever they're on this show, asking them as if it's some sort of superpower. Did you just always get science? Were you just always gifted? And a lot of times they'd say, not really. Like, I don't think I'm any smarter than anyone else, but when you just rattle off terms like you did mathematically like you're kind of drawn to it and i would guess there were periods yeah, where maybe I,
5: I i'd say somewhere between the two because i i think i probably am wired to think in the kind of way that enabled me to learn that stuff easier mm-hmm. where things make sense to a certain extent and again when i was at school like you know high school and the teacher was explaining stuff to me, it made sense. Like, yeah. I, they wouldn't have to explain that to me twice. That kind of like, okay, I see how this fits together. And I also see how it fits together in different ways. And that's one of the things I liked about mathematics, which is kind of going like, okay, well, it, you could understand it this way, but you can also understand it this way. And it's like, you know, you could, there might be maybe something that you could prove algebraically and you could also prove it geometrically. And it's the same, but it's the same idea. You can draw a picture or you can use these symbols and it still gets to the same point. And and I kind of got how that fitted together, and that made that all kind of made sense to me. Um,
2: I feel like that's the luckiest thing you could have going into any type of learning, or se- or close second is a teacher that can kind of give you the steps it takes to reach that point. Because I feel like a lot of learning is just a teacher coming in and going, "Okay, we have an integer here, and it wants to move this way." And but how many times does it go into here? And you're like,
5: "What are we even trying to do?" Yeah, and if you don't understand what's underneath it, like, um. A while ago, quite a while ago now, I was I was dating someone who had a middle school age kid, and I was helping him with his his mathematics homework, and it was it was horrible, like the way they were learning and what he was doing, and it wasn't his strongest subject either. So it was you know it was, it was trick. So it might have been easier for some students who were more inclined to get it, but it was just it was so rote. It was so yeah. Like I would hate that subject if I had learnt it the way he learnt it. They were doing. I think it was like doing like um basic line straight line graphs and like slope intersect yeah. stuff so it's you know like here's the equation of the line where does it cross the x axis where does it cross the y axis what's the equation of a line that goes through these two coordinates that kind of stuff mm-hmm. um, but he was uh but it, it it was so mechanical the way they were learning it he had no idea why it was going on and i remember learning that at school i remember when we learned that stuff at school I remember that was just suddenly like, oh, it makes sense. I get what a graph is now. I get what a I, I understand how this equation corresponds to this picture, to this diagram of a of either a straight or a curved line on this plane that goes through these points. And I understand now why, oh, that makes sense why the number that's in front of the X gives you the gradient. And the bigger the number, the steeper the line is. And it, it sort of it made sense intuitively to me. And I think that, you know, the way I was taught it was largely responsible, not just like the fact that my brain was good for that kind of thing, but like it was, I was taught it well. And so it made intuitive sense. And so when we were then learning the rules of how to solve these types of puzzles, those rules made sense. Whereas with him, it was just like, you might as well just be following, trying to, trying to follow, follow some complicated puzzle book or like some sort of robot rules, where it's just like, if you have this, you do this, then this, then this, then right. this. He's not learning anything. he's not understanding anything except he, he's understanding how to follow instructions. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's all he's understanding for by sure. The way, apologies if in the background there is a there's a cat eating, and I don't know if those sounds are getting picked up in the microphone, but <laughs> if you can hear any noises of uh no, I cannot hear eating, i guess what's going on
2: i we it was probably drowned out by the uh da da da. I, I don't know what the name of that song is, but there's <laughs> ice cream being sold at all hours of the night uh, around here. So that might have filtered through and drowned out the cat. Yeah, eating. is it
5: ice cream? Are they really <laughs> selling ice cream at that? I've, I have my suspicions.
2: We always just look at each other and like, do you need drugs right now? <laughs> yeah. and then, but it, I, the few times I've walked just by, it, is... go, can
5: I please have like one whatever the ice cream code is <laughs> for an eighth? <laughs>
2: <laughs> can I have one drugs, please?
5: Yeah. I, uh, gonna have one strawberry drugs and a, (laughs) and three drugsicles.
2: I just, and then I get my, you know, uh, banana split, but I'm trying to palm him four dollars with a lot of winks just to see (laughs) what that might be. It could be something fun. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) The, uh, strawberry drugs, do they come with more drugs? Uh the learning thing to me I think of it in so many terms like if you like this would happen in sports or you know you show up to like PE or something and you're just getting told get out there and attack do this you got to try harder and a lot of times you're you're running around on the field going um what's what are we doing so like every coach should always from the beginning at any level be like we have a goal we're protecting it we have this ball we're trying to take it down the field and put it in their goal the yep. end. That's this is the game. So and, let's formulate a strategy now. But like in math, I mean, that's so often you're just on the field going, "What? What are we trying to do here?"
5: Yeah, and and but and then but then to get back to what we were talking about a while ago with interactions, there is some of that same thing of just when people go the, the question that they ask the teachers all the time, the kids ask or later ask teachers like, "What's the point of this? Why are we learning this? What's the point? When are we ever going to use this?" Yeah, and then the teachers forced to kind of like give some or like contrite example like well this is and the truth is a lot of the time you're not you're like you're you're never gonna need slope intersect unless you go into a science field where you're dealing with graphs or anything like that you're never gonna need to know the gradient of a curve yeah but you're you're learning you're learning a certain type of way of of your brain working and who knows who knows what you will gain from that later down the line? But you're not if they're teaching it that way. If all you're learning is how to mechanically follow these instructions, the answer is nothing. You're learning nothing from this that you're going to use later, except maybe how to work in a factory and follow a set of commands. Maybe, yeah. But you could, but they could teach you those commands anyway. Like you don't need years of training at school to do that.
2: Yeah, I uh, I was a substitute you know, right when I was kind of getting into stand up, and I I would do pretty rough, like junior high areas. And so all the kids there, like they all think they're hard or they want to be hard. They're, they're obsessed with like the game and you know not getting played and stuff like that. So that made it very easy for me to like, if, if someone was, you know, if I said, can you come on the board and do this? And they'd make some joke about why I was dumb and they were never going to need that. And then I would say something to the effect of like, well, how about I sell you Three rims for X amount of dollars, <laughs> and the fourth for this amount. Or I give you all four rims for you know two thousand dollars, and they would guess. They would pick, and when they were wrong, it was so fun to just be like, "I just burned the shit out of you." If you're gonna deal with me, <laughs> like we were on the streets,
5: you, you got just roughed really up. overpay for your rims right then.
2: Yeah, and all the kids would be like, "They're locked in after that." They were like, "I I don't want that to be me. I'm I'm a hustler." They all thought they were such hustlers, and like that was so beneficial to get them like at least buying into there is a skill there is a necessity but it is hard to communicate like all of it do i really need to know yeah like you said like the slope intercept i don't think that's going to come into play but it's about teaching your brain to think creatively okay what if you had fleets what if you're trying to smuggle across the border your brain might be operating now in a way where like you just believe that you can solve that problem because you did this
5: one. right solving problems one of the things you should hopefully learn is like mental perseverance, which mm-hmm. is something I don't think I learned enough of because certain things came easily to me. And then when things didn't, I kind of collapsed. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so that's... I think that's the only thing and probably the best thing I learned in engineering. We would be – and there were kids that would come in the next day after me and my study partners had been up till 4 a.m. just going like, oh, my God, we had to take all these iterations. And then we didn't figure out that we needed to put it back into the original equation to get these – numbers and then put those in to this, you know, matrix or whatever it was to then build out this structural thing. There would be someone that came in and was like, oh yeah, I didn't do it that way. I I did this. And then I just ran an algorithm or I did like an integral from this to this. And as long as I knew this number, I had it. And we'd be like, well, my brain's never going to know that. That person just operates at a different level. We went through like the lowest end, like grinding it out but it still felt nice to kind of know you know to feel like oh i know what what he did was like a a warp jump but what we did like took forever but at least i kind of afterward figured out well i didn't i didn't quit i wanted to every single step of the way
5: there there is a there is an essay i found a, a while back on written by there's this mathematician terence Tao who's generally considered among the one of, if not the best mathematicians in the world, um, and and he wrote this interesting um, essay about like the the three stages of mathematical development, where he I can't remember what he calls the first stage is like the intuitive stage or the heuristic stage or whatever, where 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 things kind of like make you've got like a vague sense of of how things work and how it sort of fits together and you kind of understand it, you kind of get it in that kind of high school way. And his mind, that sort of goes through like undergrad and to the beginning of grad years. Um, I never got really out of that stage. Then it's the rigorous <laughs> stage where you really learn how to do everything really properly and absolutely check everything to the most fundamental level and make sure it all works and you, you understand it to that really specific level. mm mm-hmm. And then there's the third stage where you kind of have them both. You go back to intuitive, uh, and that's like you know he, in his mind that kind of happens like after grad, like as you're becoming a professional mathematician. Yeah, that's like where where he has that intuition, but it's backed up by rigor, where um, it's it's backed up by that exactness. And it was it was really interesting to see him. I, I'm really butchering his writing and his ideas and he puts it so clearly and I, I recommend checking it out. Um, but it, it was an interesting way to think about it because I never really got past the hand-wavy stage of mathematics. You know, you, <laughs> we did, we did those courses, you know, you do, um, uh, it was an analysis, uh, and, which is a, a branch of mathematics that is just all about rigor in the, it it didn't really appeal to my brain. I didn't like it very much. I kind of like the idea of it. I kind of got it to an extent, but all the kind of stuff you take for granted as intuitively true, Mm -hmm. it's actually how to show it really is true and prove it. So So... even even things like, like, for example, like, uh, let's say, um, a line that connects a uh a, um this point to that point. Um like, let's say let's say a, a line that connects uh a, a positive dot on the graph to a negative dot on the graph, mm-hmm. uh a negative y value and a positive y value. Okay. Um show that it crosses the x-axis. Like prove that it crosses the x. Which should be like you like any high school kid will go like. Well, one dot's up here and the other dot above the x-axis and the other dot is below the x-axis. Of course, it crosses it. Everyone knows it crosses it. But then proving that intuitively, Proving that rigorously, that's that entire subject of mathematics, that entire branch, and, and you could wasn't... have like
2: a full chalkboard written out with like a like a geometry proof of this therefore yeah this. and
5: all the stuff again like rigorously defining like so the the things you talk about in calculus when you're sort of understanding how calculus works and you're understanding like okay we're we're adding together these sort of infinite infinitesimally small slices for integration, or where for differentiation you're working out what the angle is of this of this curve. And the way the, the process is basically you put a dot on one point of the curve and you put a dot on another point of the curve and you go, what's the, what's the slope connecting those two dots? And then you bring the two dots closer and closer and closer to each other. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. And then what, basically, when the space between those two dots is effectively zero, then that's the true angle of the curve at that. That's the true gradient of the curve at that point. That's what <laughs> differentiation is doing. But then you're like, but then you're dividing by zero that's what you're you're fundamentally dividing by zero if you do that because the the space between the two the thing the thing that you're dividing by is is nothing you can't divide by zero well, and that's is... where analysis comes in so you start defining these infinitesimal con ideas uh you call them epsilons and and saying like okay this thing is less than epsilon where epsilon is arbitrarily small
2: Is this the sort of thing, though, when you hear someone will have a math theorem and it's worked out in this, you know, getting into this very quantum style level and then a discovery will happen, whether it's at the particle collider or something dealing with like black holes and a thing where, well, we got this figured out based on this new, uh, you know, telescope array that we had aimed at this and from all these different angles we can assume that this is happening and someone would flip through a book and go i knew it this equation would come in at some point this must be what's happening it checks out syncing up that like finding sort of the blueprint of the universe we live in because some of the math initially just feels like well that must have been fun there's no scenario where that's applicable it yeah, just well, was fun. well the stuff
5: i liked the most was the stuff that really has the least practical obvious practical application but then who knows who know who knows what ends up to having the most obvious practical application like this you know things in number theory that seem to just be sort of people just playing around with numbers and ideas and uh and seeing where seeing trying to work out where primes might prime numbers might be and how they behave and things like that turn out to have huge implications for um uh codes and encryption yeah. And, and the thing that all internet um, commerce is entirely reliant on. <laughs> and but when when the math that was originally went into that, when that was first being done, that was no one knew that would have been, the internet didn't exist. It wasn't anything to do with that. It was just, okay, we just know that it's much, much harder to find what two prime numbers multiply together to make a massive number than it is to multiply two prime numbers together.
2: Yeah. But when that, people, but
5: because I, that's much much harder the other way around, We can build a, a code around that, and we can send our credit cards to strangers without them being able to work out what our credit card number actually is. <laughs> like, uh, and those those things rigorous, happen. By like that's what he called it, Terence Tower, in his in his essay. He called it the third stage was the post-rigger or the post-rigger stage.
2: Are these serendipitous the things you just discussed? Where Or is it, well, if we're going to do it, we might as well do it this way for the encryption's sake. Because when things – I feel like math nerds, true nerds in the sense that during their day, they're on the bus and they're thinking about e to the base 6 and the natural log of this number and then the reverse or e to the negative whatever. And Mm -hmm. they're working out all these just for no reason and yet if they go to a conference and they're chatting with people and someone goes, drops by with a cocktail and, hey, who here are the fastest can do E to the blah, blah, blah. And someone goes, 1.81619, and they go, yep, you did it. And then all of them have the answer and they go, yeah, yeah, it's because our brains are doing this. One day there will be software or something that churns out a number over and over again that is 1.8616, 1, 6, the thing that they all go, why is E to this showing up what is what does this mean and then that unlocks a new portal where they go oh yeah this i see the reason this is happening is because we always have three so we're working in i don't know i'm i'm reaching here but things you know what i'm talking about I,
5: I, i don't know i'm not i'm not sure but like i know like a lot of a lot of theoretical physics works with that with the sort of um i think version of what you're saying in the in the there's a lot of theoretical physics that works from like, they'll do the mathematics first and then go like, well, this kind of thing should happen because these patterns seem to follow the right stuff. And let's see if they do. Mm -hmm. Like when it comes to quantum physics, it's just like, well, this, these sort of equate, this equation seems to make sense, but if that's the case, then these things would also be the case. So now let's see if this particle exists. Because that would make it that would make the symmetry work, and it seems to have this symmetry. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it comes to just when it comes to pure mathematics, I yeah again and again this is it was such a heavy caveat that I completely hit my limit halfway through university. Like I just complete, and it, it it it's such a it's a very strange experience. Like it's a strange experience to go from being like top of your class at school. To like middle of the class in my first year, to just like, well, that's my ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> that's like, that's there we go, bumped. Uh, we're not going above that point. Um,
2: I want to okay, get yeah. more. I want to f- get way more into that, and then I thought of a couple more math things too. I'm going to take a quick break and then go right back in if that's cool. Absolutely. Point. I hope you like that. Come back next week for part two. Actually, it'll probably be this week and then we'll technically or kind of technically still be on schedule for uh, having one a week and not dropping off. And I apologize if when uh, last week's episode didn't appear, if you thought, oh, no, here we go again. It's going to be missing in action. Uh, I want to try, especially in these episodes that I really think, you know, with comedians, I want to uh, include one of these sketches And so trying to get those edited, sometimes I bite off a little more than I can chew as far as the engineering and sound effects and all that stuff goes. So I had the conversation recorded and ready to go, but uh, it took me a little while. And I've even recorded this bumper before I've finished editing the sketch, so who knows if I'm finally getting it out. I hope so. And maybe it went out as uh, a, a not fully cooked thing. I don't know. I'll finish it up at some point, but hopefully, it came out and sounded uh, fairly complete. Anyway, if you're if you're listening, and going, dude, don't even stress at all about those sketches. I hate them. Let me know, and I will, I will not include them going forward. I'll, I'll put them in the in just the Patreon or something. However, if you like them, like, oh yeah, you can take a little extra time if you need to to edit up one of these sketches. I think it adds to the space cave. Let me know. I'm going purely off of intuition and, and the things that I like to do that I think make the show um, the thing that I'm the most satisfied with. Anyway, thanks to Dan, and thanks to those of you who do support the show on Patreon. It really helps with web hosting and purchasing music, et cetera. Um, a lot of storage and things to pay for these days, like Dropbox and... Um, I I do the Adobe Creative Suite, which allows me... I'm really learning Audition now. Uh, If you haven't used that, wonderful software. That's not a a free ad. I guess it is kind of a free ad, but um, they have recently upped their prices, which is kind of a bummer. So if you do support the show, it goes a long way. I appreciate it. Um, Okay, let's get out of here. This is a song by Micra. It's called After Dark. Have a lovely holidays, like I mentioned. And look forward to part two coming out soon. Thanks for stopping by, the Spacely.